WFJA 105.5, Sanford Pinehurst, Southern Pines. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. And welcome to From the Cheap Seats, Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, and Professor Trent A. Nichols coming to you from the heart of Carolina. Guys, how are you this morning? What's up, man? Long time no <laughs> For real. Man, I feel like we're growing apart, dude. Are we getting divorced? <laughs> no, no. We're just taking a hiatus. Is that what it is? Yeah. It's not you, though. The heart it's it's make, me. Di- it's- <laughs> what is it? Distance make the heart. Grow, grow fonder or something, something like that. Something like that, man. Yeah, I, it's, I think it's absence. I, absence. I, I legit haven't seen you in a week. I haven't talked to you maybe once, twice in a week. That's that's abnormal. Yeah. I'm a little concerned. Everything's cool, though. Yeah, man. Just been a really busy All time. Right. Plus, you know. He's too busy yelling at me. Is yeah. that what's going on? Yeah. It, yeah so I understand there's a dispute about some, some gutters. Is that no. what's going on? Don't take this conversation into the gutter. Oh, okay. All right, you guys are straight though. Yeah, yeah. All right, no Robert Bricky you know this morning. I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed because there's one <laughs> thing in particular that I wanted to ask him, and I'm a, I'm a little, I'm a little bit out of shape that he's not here to answer the question. Well, so I'm sure I could answer. We'll get there. It. I'm, I'm sure that you would try, and I'm sure that I don't value your opinion with regard to it. So you know you what I, I've had the uh, don't know what you got till it's gone song by Cinderella in my head. Yes, and I've just been singing it over and over, and I finally realized why I'm singing it. What what is what is the reason? Because my truck truck's been in the shop for like a week, so I got a loaner, so it came with Sirius Radio. You know how they throw Sirius Radio in there for like the first I don't know six months to get you, dude. Putting that in rental cars is genius. It is genius. Well, my my loaner goes back today, so. I've been loading up on as much of their fantasy football station in, intel as much as possible, you know, and I'm just like, I'm taking the long route everywhere just so I can listen to the intel. So here's fantasy. the question, though. Are, has it has it wet your appetite such that you're going to pull the trigger and get XM in your truck? I think I might get, I think this is serious. I don't, I'm, is there any difference? No, it's the same thing. The XM same serious. Oh, yeah, they combined. They, they merged. It's a mashup. I think. <clears throat> In years past, I would have never even thought about it. One because I wasn't married, <laughs> and it's kind of hard to get you know the you know the the significant other to sign off on something like that. But uh, you know now I can literally do whatever I want to. So I'm thinking about pull, pulling the trigger. So you're you're rocking the fantasy football. I get to the point with XM where I get just saturation with regard to sports talk radio. Right. So if you switch off. Of sports talk, what what's your what's your go to station? Have you or you, or you're just enjoying the fact that you've got non top sports talk? Well, I would say that I would pick up the phone and call you, Chris. But you, that's this explains why that's we have more been boring talking, sports talk. No, no, it makes it makes perfect sense, and I feel okay about it because I'm not going to lie. My my go to show in the mornings when I'm commuting is um, first things first with. Uh, Chris Carter and Nick Wright. There are times where I kick calls straight to voicemail if they're on a roll. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, and that's one of the few things during the light hours of the day that I will kick something to voicemail 
that's one of the few things that will cause me to do that. But now I understand, and I don't take it personally, that we haven't spoken all week. You've been, no, you've you been hanging what? out in the truck. Well, my girlfriend lives out of the city, so I mean, she lives in Cary. So, I mean, when I go spend time with her, I'm kind of out, out of, you know, just out of, out of uh, touch, I guess. Okay, I, I can dig it. Yo, I, can dig I, it. I know, speaking of fantasy football, I know what you guys' draft order is. Yeah. What? We're all in the same. Yeah, all, it what was are you talking about? It was rigged. Did you get yours? Yeah, I'm, I'm ninth out of ten. So are, are you on that sleeper or the Yahoo? How did you know that you were ninth? I got a text. Okay. I got an email. See, from the bearded T, bastard. T. Nichols over here is drafting at third, in third position. I know. I thought that was because I threatened that I was going to retire from fantasy football. They're throwing me a bone. I'm excited. This is the best draft. I, pick I'll ever so have. So if they solidified your place, you are going to play just because you have the third pick. No. I decided that last week because you razzed me for it. I, did I, was that really razzing? Yes, it hurt. Chris is a bully, dude. I he am is. kind of a bully. So what do you think about your ninth place? Um, I, the only upside with picking that late is that when we go back and forth, I've only got two picks between my picks. Mm-hmm. If I was going to be ninth, like I'd, just as, I'd just as soon been last. You know what I mean? So that you have back-to-back picks. But uh, it's all good. It's all good. So th- there was plenty of football on TV this weekend. And and this being the legit opening weekend of football, I picked a bad weekend. Because on Saturday, we decided to make it official, and we cut the court. And and I'm going to tell you guys that it's a, it's a little bit like doing triage on a battlefield. You know, you got to make some hard decisions as to who's going to make it and who's not, who you're going to give up on. And I went into this process and I said, there's two non-negotiables. I have to have the Big Ten Network and I have to have the NFL Network. And the Big Ten Network, I I know there's eyes rolling out there, but half of the Ohio State games are going to be on the Big Ten Network. Probably two-thirds of the Ohio State basketball games are going to be on the Big Ten Network, and I just couldn't not have that. But in the end, the channel that I had to sacrifice, because that seems to be an either-or proposition with these streaming services, was the NFL Network. So I spent a significant amount of time trying to figure out how to watch these preseason games. Because the regular season games I got covered. You watch so much football, I thought you might have end zone. Well, NFL end zone? Yeah, but that's part of the – that that's kind of tied in with the direct TV. That's a direct TV thing. Oh, is it? I didn't know. So what I figured out is that preseason football, easy to find. You can do it via Reddit. But here's my problem. Costin is a young guy. I'm an old guy. Costin probably understands Reddit. I don't get it. I just know that every once in a while, if I type something into Google, the Reddit feed will pop up, and I can get into Reddit, and I can see what I want. But at halftime of the Cincinnati Bengals game, which is the only one I wanted to see this weekend, I left Reddit and was like, I'll just pop back in here after halftime and could not find my way back to what I was watching. So I didn't see any of the of the second half live. Now, I have gone back and, and seen. And for you North Carolina listeners, you'll be interested to know that Ryan Finley is going to put heat on Andy Dalton 
very quickly. Ryan Finley, they got him in the fourth round out of NC State. He will be the backup. He's going to push Jeff Driscoll off the roster. Went 11 for 11 to open his his time as quarterback and on his 13th throw um, hey, is, threw a touchdown Just pass. real quick. So there you go. Ryan called, Finley, there's your NC State update. Isn't that called a silver alert when you're old and you get you, you can't find your way back or something it's like something that? It's something like that. This and it was kind of like that. I appreciate you, you know, piling on there. But I wouldn't. Well, listen. Here's the thing, man. And and we haven't spoken, so you wouldn't know this. We by the time we got done with this cord cutting, we saved a hundred and forty three dollars a month. That's all. And the only thing I gave up that was of any value was the NFL Network. Hmm. In fact, MLB TV is now how I will watch Reds games. Because you guys know I watch almost every Reds game that's out there. Um, it cost me for the rest of the season, after the military discount, 27 bucks for the year. I was paying 50 bucks a month with my cable provider. Baseball, so, should, come should, be, baseball should be free to all. They should pay people to watch They should pay baseball. people to watch. I it's watched the uh, Until they first Mets cheetahs. game wire to wire yesterday and they lost i guess i won't watch anymore that's it what do you mean that you watched the first one like that's the first one you've watched this year that i've sat down oh before the game started and watched because i'm a bandwagon well, he, fan. yeah he uh he heard that they had won what 15 out of 16 yeah and i was like row. i better watch this to pitching he ended that streak all right so given that this was My week fault. one of the preseason which means that in most cases your starters rolled out there and played for about three minutes and then they cleared the benches. I refuse to do any analysis. I refuse to put any stock in anything that happened this week. And now, coming into week two, Thursday night, we've got a, a host of games. This weekend will be a full slate. These next two weeks will be where you'll actually get to see your starters play some significant time. I will pay attention. But in the interim, there are two storylines that are everywhere that I feel I feel obligated to talk about at least a little bit. And the first one is this Zeke Elliott thing. And everybody's got an opinion about what Zeke's value is, whether Zeke should get paid right now, what this next contract's going to look like. But I want to point something out to you guys. We talk all the time about where the NFL is relative to the NBA. And the NFL is still king of sports in the United States of America. But I want to ask you guys the question, when you see a player hold out in the NBA, invariably it has to do with being traded to a situation where they feel like they can win. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, it's one of the variables. Okay. Usually the, usually the driving force. And sometimes we look at it kind of sideways, but they want to play where they want to play. But the feeling always is that they can go out there and they can win. I've always thought it was because they want to get paid more. Really? Almost all. Give me give me an example Levy of, of I mean it, because here's the sitch. No, NBA. Had, oh, had, NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, That's sorry. my thing. I mean, Anthony I don't Davis, remember them holding out at all, NBA players. And not even holding out, but threatening to hold out or putting pressure on their team. It's always to go Just somewhere. Just demanding a trade. Yeah, but, but they the, still kind of play. But that trade invariably revolves around going someplace where they have a better chance to challenge for a championship. Yeah. I think in the, the NBA, NFL, that is absolutely 1,000% never the case. It's always about cheddar. Always. Every single time. And I wonder, 
I mean, these guys are all premier athletes. All of them want to win championships. But why is it, you guys think, that NFL players like Zeke Elliott in this instance, uh, you got Melvin Gordon doing the same thing. Le'Veon Bell did this last year and actually sat out the season. Why is it that NBA players are are have that higher on their priority list as far as managing the careers? Well, I think because we're up against it, I'll give you the quick answer. There's only about 15 players, maybe less, 10 players in the NBA that actually can pull that off in terms of <clears throat> just going and playing at a play, for a winner or where they want to play. You know, if you're one of the five-man ro- rotation, many times you, you can't pull that off. They're just going to laugh at you and pull the six-man off the bench and be like, okay, you can go sit over there. But you, you only have the top tier, like the LeBrons and the Durants that can pull that off, maybe the top ten players in the league. Okay. I mean, but would it not be fair to say that Le'Veon Bell, when he did this last year, was a top ten player in the, in the NFL? It's a diminished position. The running back, we've talked about it before, running back, they're important to like fantasy and the real game, but for some reason they're just not treated. I think, as important. but I think it's more the NFL is about the money because of injuries and post career. That's where I wanted to go with that. We'll talk about it on the other side. We got a really cool interview coming up. Um, you're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Sanford, North Carolina. We'll see you on the other side of the break. We are there, day one, with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there, as you grow, protecting you and those you love. And we are there, as you start your next chapter. We are with you through life's journey. We are Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you A. Get spiritual. Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B. Find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or C. Show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Swimming pools can be lots of fun, but they can be dangerous, too, especially for young children. Always practice simple safety steps to prevent tragedies. Fence all pools. Teach kids to swim. And always watch them around water. No horseplay. Simple steps save lives. To learn new life-saving steps, visit PoolSafely.gov. A public service message from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. A message from the American Migraine Foundation. It's an absolute nightmare. There's pain that does not stop. I feel trapped by migraine. Migraine is a disabling disease. I feel like I'm dying. You feel like the world's closing in on you. There's nothing you can do. It's like you're trapped in your head. There's no escaping it. You can't leave your body. Don't suffer alone. Make your move against migraine. Visit AmericanMigraineFoundation.org to find help, learn more, and get connected.
partner, Brandon Atkins, always, he's a fiend for a beat. And something like that comes on. That's the uh, Janet Jackson All Right Ultimix right there. And Brandon can't help but kind of move his body. You guys were dancing in here, man. You know what what I've noticed? Back Back in the day when we were only doing the podcast, you know, we'd all get up. After each segment, or maybe after every thirty minutes. Well, yeah, Trent and I had to go smoke cigarettes every, <laughs> we every were fifteen out. minutes, every segment, without fail. Now we have like ninety seconds, and we're like, ah, so, maybe I'm not going to run out there. Time. So what I noticed back then, we would always break and we talk, and we kept. It was almost like an extension of the show. Now well, it's Tr- just Trent and I still do that, <laughs> and you sit over there like you're at the cool kids table, and you don't even talk to us anymore. It's almost no. like you don't. Want, you don't lose your train of – you don't get so professional that you lose your mojo. It has nothing okay? to do with professionalism. and has 100% to do with just focus. Because the other thing is that when we used to just do this as a podcast, mm-hmm. when we put something down that was trash, we were just like, you know what, start that over. So it's a whole different animal, man. And what? there's a lot of pressure, dude. I don't know if I can handle it. You what do you mean, our two-hour f- show that would take seven hours to record? Yes. <laughs> yeah. that, you may oh need God. the focus because I listened. I was at the beach. I listened to the show last week, at least to the 115 mark. And y'all opened up the show talking about top ten quarterbacks. And in minute one uh, hour and ten minutes in, you finally got into it. I think you guys were talking about food boxes and stuff like that. Hey, you, I got complimented on my food box choice. You're, the, your stuff the hungry is, man. Here's the thing. It's like you had been thinking about that for a hundred years. You just came straight out with it. Well, speaking of food, Uh-oh. this weekend, I, I had somebody drop some knowledge on me. And you guys know I go back and forth with this keto thing. And, and I've been pretty much keto with the exception of drinking an occasional beer or something. Um, for a couple of years now, and I'm always trying to sort of mix it up and find new things. But I finally decided to dive into keto baking this weekend. And uh, I made a couple batches of cookies. I made a loaf of bread, all of that, and dropped some serious coin, invested a lot of time, and made three or four different things that are barely edible. <laughs> I gotta find. I gotta find a provider Hallelujah. that I'm happy with. I, Isn't that the, our creators? It, it doesn't have the drop the mic. The best joke ever is that the, the one of the things that we like to do is eat good food, and you can't do it without gaining lbs. I mean, isn't that the ultimate gotcha? It absolutely a hundred percent is, and I love that my kids are always like, "Why are you doing that?" And you know, they can eat whatever. I mean, they could they could sustain themselves on cereal and cold cuts they don't care and it doesn't matter and they don't you know they're not going to put on a pound and i just keep telling them over and over and over yeah just wait well that's the thing is my youngest daughter came home and she said i've given up soft drinks dad and i said okay that's fine i got other stuff i got water and juice and i said why'd you give up soft, soft drinks mom says they're no good Mom says they're no good, and I'm like, okay, I agree with that. But in my mind, I'm going, just what? This is the time you can do anything you want. Go drink, go 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 drink Dr Pepper all day long, I guess. Because yeah, when you what what was the magic age for you? When did it hit you? When um started gaining weight, because of my eating habits, it didn't take long. It it was I was still in college, man. Oh God, oh yeah, I was still in. No, no, no. I had to I had to battle this. I got a battle on my hands. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. Well, you're like doing pizza literally every day and soft drinks and soft drinks and soft drinks. Dude, I, I had to run and stuff when I was in college. I I could eat like 
and all I could gain 10 pounds and then just change back to normal and lose it like nothing. And then I hit 30 and I would eat normal and all of a sudden it never went anywhere. And I was like, what the heck? I mean, look at me. The year for me for Trent, was when was I turned 29. Week. I was going to say, Trent. <laughs> Dude, when Dude. I quit the restaurant industry because I don't walk around in a circle for 100 hours a week. I think there's a lot to be said I put said on like that. 15 pounds. I'm heavier 15? now than I've ever. Yeah, 15, seriously. Trent? 226. 15, 15, really? All right. No, it was almost... <laughs> It was almost twenty pounds. Yeah, it's all in my belly. The um, and, and it's should... amazing how something as mundane as walking in a circle all day, which is what you did because you were on your feet, and now all I the drive time. and I sit at that desk, sitting behind. Well, that I don't wheel. sit at a desk ever, but just driving in my car, I don't walk as much. I Boom. think you should take a part-time job in a restaurant just to shed a few of those. You know? I'll, I'll think about it. I might, I might have to uh, go work at B Dubs for football season. Oh, God. Make some cheese on Sundays. Why would you do that to yourself? Oh, I'll be a server. Before Why would I, you do that? Before I forget about it, it sounds gross, <laughs> but I made the uh, cauliflower pizza thing, Ugh. and it's good, man. It, cauliflower it's like, crust? It's, yeah, cauliflower crust. Now, did crust. you buy a cauliflower crust already made, or did you make it from scratch? I went and got brand. I got fresh cauliflower. I went to the restaurant, got one of our mixers, mixed it up. You gotta. The key to cauliflower is you got to get all the moisture out yes. of it. So you like you get the cheesecloth, you squeeze all the moisture out of it until it's just dry. It's, it should have the consistency, consistency and look of snow. And then I did my thing, man, and it was good. Now, did you mix when when I have made it? I mixed the cauliflower. It's almost equal parts cauliflower and mozzarella cheese. Yes, yeah, I had yeah. to. You got to do the cheese. And and for anybody out there that wants to give it a whirl, you can buy a pre-made cauliflower pizza dough. They're pricey and they're a pain in the butt to store because you have to have them in the freezer, or whatever. But Making it yourself, it's really not that big a deal, and it is decently good. The key, though, having done it many times, like you said, got to get all that moisture out of there. But, yeah, you know. Anyway, I've got um, a whole kitchen full of keto peanut butter cookies and keto cheesecake cookies and a loaf of keto bread. If anybody wants it, just swing by the house because you're, you're more than happy to have it. When you get all that, when you buy all that stuff and spend that high dollar on that, just because you have it, don't you eat more and it just offsets no. the, the, the no, results? It no, like you should garbage. try it. You should. Been, I'll nibble on my sweat sock more than oh, I man, here's the, here's the thing. With the keto, that, that is one of the key components of the ketogenic diet is that it legitimately shrinks your appetite. I mean, I eat twice a day. And I don't eat portions that are anything like what because I would normally eat. Because the food tastes eat. horrible? No, man. It's just, it just is what it is. I don't even know what keto is. Well, that's because you're I thought you were dumb. like grooming to fight UFC or something. You're going to be a keto specialist. <sighs> Trent. Trent. I can't handle you this morning, dude. <laughs> Have any of you guys either played uh, disc golf? Yes. A couple I've of times. I've never... You've never, ever, ever played disc golf. Are you serious? I saw a guy one time I was driving by. He was picking up one of his his Frisbees or whatever they're called. I don't think you're allowed to call them Frisbees. No, discs. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's like a thing, man. I I think you get, you you know, bent out of shape. See, the first time I went, I had a roommate. I was living in um, uh, Wellington, North Carolina, and my roommate played some. And I was like, man, I got another buddy who, who wants to go play disc golf. Can I borrow your disc? And he said, yeah, sure. So I went and met the guy, and he pulls out this bag. I'm like, yes. how many people are coming to this thing? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. You don't understand. This is like 
my seven iron right here. And he's like, this is my driver, and this is my – and I'm like, well, what the heck am I going to do with this thing? So you played, to, with, you played with a disc? I played with a disc. Oh, God. I mean, how was I supposed to know? I, I, I don't know. I, back then, I called it – I know it's a no-no now, and Trent's in the doghouse, but I called it, Rough. hey, I brought my Frisbee. Rough. Well, I actually – I have a friend of mine I went to high school with um, that owns a disc golf company. Uh, it's called Black Black Zombie Disc Golf. Oh, nice. And they actually ship, you know, discs all over the country. And I thought the other day, I was like, you know what? I Garen would be cool to get on. We actually – we're friends because we played high school soccer together. And I oh, had seen this out on Facebook, truth. and out of the blue I hit him up, and this is a guy I hadn't talked to in, in forever. But I said, hey, man, you still in the disc golf business? And we started this back and forth about it. And not only does he own this company, but he travels all over the country and sometimes out of the country to play in disc golf tournaments. And I hit him up, and I and just out of the blue, I was like, how much does it cost or, or how much prize money has to be involved with a disc golf tournament for players to travel to it. He was like, yeah, 10 grand will get their attention. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold up just a second. 10 grand? I'm thinking, you know, a thousand bucks and a gift card, you know, to, to Chick fil A. 10 grand to go play Frisbee. And we went back and forth. And, and you know, I was kind of having, having a good time. Disc, disc golf. Come on. And he was like, hey, man. You know, we started talking about the, the radio show a little bit, and he's like, I one of my buddies is one of the top five players in the world. It'd be cool if you had him on the show. And I was like, uh, okay. So I started doing some research and looking at disc golf. This is like a, a thing. And what I thought was sort of, you know, just sheer recreation has become a big money operation with folks that do this full time. There's a guy that just signed a million dollar endorsement deal as a disc golfer. And and initially I was like, you know, disc golfer is sort of akin to cornhole. But then I turn on my TV this weekend and they're having the World Cornhole Championship on ESPN. Come on, man. I'm, mesmer- I'm mesmerized now, by this. And, and here's the other here's the other piece is we're, we're playing hours. cornhole and they're playing a completely different game than any of us play because they hit Every single time. I'm like, what are you guys doing? But then I almost thought ESPN was trolling itself this weekend. At some point in the middle of the night, I turned on ESPN. Trent Nichols. They had on pizza box folding. No! So if pizza box folding is a quote-unquote sport, I am in on disc golf a thousand percent and that solidified it for me well dude we're having a world-class disc golf er is it a disc golfer or a disc golf player i don't know we'll get to the bottom of that but yeah he's going to be on with us here in just a few minutes i'm not i'm totally not dogging the sport but i've often wondered who was the first person to to play this who invented it i'm gonna you know it had to be some person just I can't I, afford golf clubs. So I'm going to throw this first. I don't know. Dave Feldberg's going to join us after the break, oh, and that'll be mind. the first question that I ask him is who created this. I kind of feel like it was a couple of seven-year-olds in their grandparents' backyard who were like, hey, man, put that over there, and let's see if we can hit it with a Frisbee. And it just has evolved. But, you know, we have a disc golf course here in yep. Sanford. Yep. And I'm like, why is there not a disc golf tournament? And I was like, oh, wait a minute. There may be. I just don't know about it. So I need to dig in. And you guys – you know I have sports gear for days. 
I have a set of I, what is I don't even know what to call these things. I have discs. No, you don't. In my back, I swear I do. I swear that I do. You but I, I am like inspired to get out there and play this game because this is a this is a sport that does not require any other fitness level. These guys are not working out in the off season. They're not managing their diet. I can't imagine. So this is the game for me. We wanted to go be curlers. Nah. Curlers is off the table, brother. I'm going to be a professional disc golf player. Oh, you, you just got to make sure you don't have a slip disc in your back. Dude, that's enough. We will see you on the other side of the break. Dave Feldberg, world-class disc golfer, joins us. I, I, he doesn't know what he signed up for, man. Check us out on the web, www.cheapseatradio.com. To buy your home, you became a house hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. Now you're queen of your castle. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll feel empowered to own your retirement like you own your home. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to clearing financial hurdles, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life, young adults of unique determination and experience, an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. In 50 feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in .1 miles. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Debt. If you get in too deep, members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. A certified credit counselor helped me get back in control. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. NFCC taught me all I needed to know. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. We'll help you put debt in its place. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. We are live outside the home of Joe and Rosie Goddard where a pretty big tickle fight broke out just minutes ago. Sources say their father instigated the laughter. Let's go inside for a comment. (laughs) Apparently, they have no comment. Dads, let this be a reminder that it only takes a moment to make a moment. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch. 
One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. From the cheap seats. Before we bring him in, ain't I no, got to tell you guys a story. Chris, ain't no half stepping, bro. Ain't no. I this, see. I did that just for you. I know you did. You let it roll particularly long too. I, I appreciated yeah. that. I mean, we should, we could let that go for about fifteen minutes just on a loop, and that'd be okay with me. Um, it might be superior to what we're laying down this morning. I don't even remember what we've talked about up to this point. But I want to share. I want to share a story with you guys. And this happened when I was probably seven years old, and I don't know why it just popped into my head. And I hadn't thought about it over the weekend, but Trent and I were outside (laughs) talking about disc golf. He doesn't believe that I have discs in my home. But I was watching – remember the show Worldwide of Sports? Yeah. Or Wide World World of Sports. You know what I'm talking about. Trent, you remember? Yeah. Okay, so I'm watching this, and it's got to be circa 1979. By the way, they got to be kicking themselves, too, because they had something, and then ESPN just monetized it, right? Yeah, absolutely. But anyway. Absolutely. Going. So the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Well, they used to do all kinds of international stuff, and they do obscure stuff sometimes. I remember when I was probably seven years old watching Wide World of Sports, and they were covering Frisbee sports. And... They had they they had this competition I don't, somewhere in some small town in the country, and it was supposed to be a big deal. And they had it out there, and they had one of their crew out there who was attempting to do play by play. And I'll never forget that they had a color guy on there, and the play by play dude was obviously deferring to this color color guy, and the color guy had no idea what was going on, and about. Five minutes into the broadcast, the guy asked him, I thought you were an expert. And he's like, what are you, dude, I was, down at the, I was down at the gas station trying to pick up a six-pack of Pabst. And they said, hey, man, they're looking for you over there at the field. And they told me to come on over here. That is a true story. Uh, that legit happened. And I have to find a YouTube video of that somewhere. They brought this guy on to do color. It was, he had the same name as the actual color guy that was supposed to be there on the broadcast, and one of his friends heard him looking for him, called this guy over, and this dude legit was half in the bag 
doing color for Frisbee. That's and amazing. I thought, it's amazing. And it popped into my head, and I swear that's a true story. I will find that video and get it up on social media. And that, my friends, is more or less how we got into the radio <laughs> business. <laughs> that is kind of how that went down. Now, we have a legit expert in the field, one of the top players in the world, and I'm going to grill this guy because I want to know everything there is to know about disc golf. On the phone with us, Dave Feldberg. Dave, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I can. Do you know the story that I just related? Were you able to hear that? Yeah, I heard the story. I'm not sure about, you know, I, I didn't hear that part, but I definitely remember the broadcast. It was the uh, Rose Bowl, Wild World of Sports, 50,000 for first in Frisbee golf. And they were playing around the Rose Bowl. Wow. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not actually sure about the color commentary, but it does sound like about how the world was going back then. <laughs> so the first thing I want to know, man, is is who was the first person that decided, I'm going to take this disc and I'm going to throw it at something, and, oh, yeah, we should create a basket that the, the disc will go into. Well, you know, I think the first people, you know, that's why it has such a, a imitation of hippies and six-packs and all that is because the first people, I think, were probably some of the Northern Cal people in the 60s that were playing but they say it was as far back as the pie tin that's why it's called frisbee pies you ever heard the expression frisbee's pies and that was a company back in the you know early 10s and 20s that made pies and they said frisbees on them that was the name of the company so that's that's the origin that's the origin of the frisbee is it was a pie tin yeah and they started throwing it at things and and then they kind of made a game out of it called frisbee golf and uh, then a guy named Steady Ed Hedrick in the 60s, late 60s, 70s came around in Northern California when all the hippies were playing and decided to make official equipment, you know, the first basket and just and stuff. So at what point did we, did we stop referring to these little plastic things that fly through the air as Frisbees and start calling them discs? Around 1983. Why? Actually, is what... Well, you know, it's uh, very confusing. It's not good for radio, but it's because they change the edge of the Frisbee, just like everything that changes in the world. Everybody loves throwing Frisbees, and you can control it and aim it, and you can see the flight, and that's a rewarding experience. So it's pretty popular throughout the, you know, 19th century, 20th century, right? But so when the 83 came around, they decided to change the wings, and the wings of the Frisbee is the edge. And it's kind of like irons and, and golf. So all the wings do something different when you throw it. So you can kind of shape the uh, frisbee in the air kind of like a ball off of a club. Wow. So here's my next question for you is, you know, when I was talking, I was given some context to this whole interview and, and relating some of the highlights of my conversation with Darren Wooten this weekend. But he, can, he, he referred to traditional golf as ball golf versus disc golf and I just thought it was kind of funny that you know ball golf no that's just golf golf and he's like no 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 you know disc is its own thing is it really its own thing if you refer to some of those discs as irons um you know it's its own thing but you know golf's such a big sport that it's got all the spinoffs you know foot golf disc golf you know there's other types of uh, golf and I think that when all golf really means now in today's society is a game where you compete against yourself by you know moving an object forward and trying to do better at a lower score based on the the par that would be set for whatever course you're playing. And I think that that you know is a way to look at it. You know, disc golf is on the up and up and it's growing, 
and it is its own separate thing. And, and when we called it Frisbee, we probably lost a couple of viewers because they're so upset. They don't want to be called Frisbee. They want to be called disc golf, <laughs> you know? And I think, and I think that, um, you know, really that's what happened. I think the game should be called Frisbee, but in, you know, Whammo's times, Whammo had the rights to the word Frisbee. And when disc golf was developed in 83, then they weren't really able to use the word Frisbee anymore. So they came up with the word disc golf. And right. I think they've done good to promote that. But that's so, a change, really. So we got to the heart of the matter. It's all about that money. It always is. Just follow mm-hmm. the dollars. Mm-hmm. So Frisbees are like Kleenexes. It's one of those things that the brand name just became Xerox. the product. Yeah, Xerox. I got a quick question. We have a um, course, a little small course here in Sanford, North Carolina. And the whole consists of a group of chains. Is that just specific to our course, or does, is that what all holes are, are uh, you know, created? That's what they use for the hole. And my follow-up question is that, is because it's changed, how angry, how deep in your vocabulary go, do you go into when the disc just bounces off the chains rather than going in? Okay, well, that's a good question. Um, yes, when you look in the park, a lot of parks, people see these metal devices all around their parks. Some people think they're barbecues. <laughs> but honestly, they are a catching device. And the difference between ball golf and disc golf is that instead of putting the ball in the hole, your Frisbee is caught in midair in what we call our hole, right. which is a metal device that catches the Frisbee out of midair and that's completing one hole. Um, but now when you get in the jargon, there's all kinds of cool jargon. If you you know don't hit the basket correctly, it doesn't stay in. There's spit-outs, cut-throughs, wedgies, you know, um, all kinds of different ways. Chain out, pop out. Whoa, what's chain know, out? out? What's chain out? Chain out means, means you hit it really well in the chains, but it wasn't completely centered. So it's washed the chains out, and it kind of falls off the edge of the basket. It doesn't stay in. Because you got to hit it in the chain, and it has to stay in that basket as it falls down. Kind of like in ball golf, if you hit the ball too hard, it lifts out. Sure. It's that same concept. You have to have the right speed. You can't just slam it in there. Can I, I'm going to ask the dumbest question in the history of disc golf. <laughs> Why not just okay. create, build a box with a hole in it and throw it through there? What, what's the? Where did the chains come from? Uh, it's uh, something that that Steady Ed Hedrick guy developed. Oh, okay. I think it's just because it, you know, it's, it, it's something they all fell in love with, sound. Just like in everything, sports have certain things. In disc golf, it's that sound of the ching, they oh, call yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. You hit the basket, you hear ching. ching, ching. Well, the other, the, like other, the other problem that would occur to me with, with building a box with a hole in it is that you're not always going to be, you know, attacking from the front. You might end up to the side. You might end up behind it. True that. And, and I, have played, I have played a reasonable amount. You, you I understand. I have, I've, I've done a little bit of research on you, a little bit of stalking. <laughs> you are currently one of the top five players in the world. Is that correct? Um, it depends on how you view it. I'm the current best player over 40 in the world. They call it Masters, like in golf, because I'm now 42. I was the best player for a contingent for the whole decade when I was in my 30 to 40. Yes. Okay. So I was a player, player of the decade or whatever. Uh, player of the decade? What, what, what is there in, in life that I could possibly <laughs> challenge for to be the whatever of a decade? Here is my question. Now, now disc golf is, is, is a game that is scored just like ball golf, as you guys like to call it. If you were to come to Sanford and we went out and played our little municipal disc golf course out here, how many strokes would you beat me by? <laughs> 25 or 30. <laughs> That's so 
That's about like ball golf. You, you know what? I, I, this is coming from the same guy that one time not long ago said, I could beat Ronda Rousey in an MMA match. I would take you up on that. If you gave me 30 strokes, we could put some real cash down because I'd have to see you do that. I could, well, Dave, I, I could take I'll give you. Me an, give me an idea. At Stanford, we'd probably shoot in like the low 40s. Right. You got to understand who you're talking to. Chris Chris once said he could go down in 14 feet of water and swim up with a greased watermelon. So the fact that he's halfway challenging you, the person – I can't believe what I'm hearing. The person who was the disc golf player of a decade, he's actually wanting to challenge you, which is just hilarious. Totally Chris DeLambert. I do want to – I think it's awesome. You said that that you know you're a masters player now because you're in your 40s. Is yep. there a drop off in your play at some point in your life? Because it just seems to me like whatever you could do with a disc at 20, you could do even better at 40. No, definitely not. It's um, it's really strange actually. Uh, disc golf, you know, my accuracy is probably up. You know, like you're thinking I can become more of a master. You know, but as it comes to throwing. When I was in my 20s, I could throw over two football fields on call. What? You know, easily. Yeah, in the air. And most of the kids that are in their 20s now can do that. The, the record's three football fields now. You, and, can, uh, you can throw a, a, a disc over 500 feet. I threw, uh, in my prime, I threw 630 feet. So, so what is, what so is that, whole, that whole give me 30 strokes thing and I could beat you, I take it all back. <laughs> yeah, so currently I throw about 500 feet. So it, it, I've lost about maybe 20% in my older age. So what is Paul Macbeth ac- uh, known for? Paul Macbeth, the guy that is uh, last year was the, the number one. Yeah, that? Uh, he's known, he throws two football fields on call, and he can throw about almost a football field and a half the other direction, which is we didn't talk about it, but in, in disc golf you can throw right-handed, you know, if you're right-handed or left-handed, but you can also flip the disc around and throw it what they call two-finger or forehand with only two fingers like you're snapping a towel, and that makes the disc fly in opposite direction so you can curve it to the left to right instead of right to left, kind of like a ball, like a slice and a, and a hook. And so he can throw one about a football field and a half, the other one about two football fields, and he has all the rest of the game, and he's probably the top one or two putters in the game. He really doesn't miss too often. The guy's making him out to, you know, 60, 70, 80 feet with no problem. But, but, hey, let's be honest, though. You're a Masters, but you could still take this guy, right? Um, some parts of my game, I think, are very competitive, but the only way I'm beating that guy is if I get out there every day and play again every single day. So you're not playing every day these these days? No, I'm trying to advance the sport. I have the, uh, the largest... Uh, amateur tour in the world that I run with my wife and uh, friends and family and it's called the Next Generation Tour which is coming to Austin, Texas and that's how I you know you Garrett Wooten Black Zombie a little shout out um, he's uh, helping me with my event there I'm, I'm paying amateurs now this is amateurs $100,000 worth Ooh. of stuff 50000 in prizes and 50000 in cash to 100 amateurs in Austin, Texas this year um, and you got, people you got think that's yeah. go ahead I'm sorry I, I feel like so, I, you know, I Go feel ahead. like I got to I got to start working on my game, man. You need to start working on your forefinger. <laughs> exactly, forehand. There it is, forefinger. I was never good at that forefinger. That's where the change is today. 
the kids today can all throw that that other opposite hook. And back when I was the best, you you could get away with one hook. So when 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 I when I used to play, and I never played regularly, I developed a shot. I, I was the inventor of of a particular shot, and I want to know if you if you have a name for it. If somebody else has okay. perpetrated a fraud. So on a particularly long hole, if it was downhill, I found out that I could throw the disc perpendicular to the ground and let it roll. Yeah, that's Is there a roll. name for that particular shot? We call it a roller. Oh, <laughs> 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 And you definitely didn't invent it. It's probably one of the original shots because back No, in the I'm day, certain that I invented it. <laughs> Back in the day before the wings got changed to where they could fly, like I was talking about, you could either just throw it straight or you had to roll it. So, you know, a lot of the guys for many years that started the game could roll it two football fields on call. What? No problem. To, now, now, see, that? yeah, I didn't invent that because I couldn't roll it two football fields. I could get it to roll for quite That's a ways, crazy. though. That was pretty wild. Yeah, um, probably on a football field at first, right? How many, um, how many clubs do you have in your bag? Well, that's a funny thing you picked. We're talking about me. The average player has somewhere between, like, 15 and 30. But I was the world's most uh, famous for carrying the most. And I actually was one of the first professional players that brought caddies into our sport. Come on. And Yeah, because I, I, I would carry, like, sometimes 40, 50 discs, clubs. And, I, you know, I'd have the guy carry them for me. A big old bag. Looked like he could, could barely carry it. And, uh... You know, that way I always had my options because my thought was, you know, since there's not a club limit, like a ball golf, which they're working on, they'd love to have one. But since there's not a club limit, why not have any possible wing that I might need? Okay, so look, I, I, I just have to know. I, 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 my perception of disc golf up until about 24 hours ago was that it was a good excuse for people to go out in the woods and smoke weed. <laughs> I, here's That's what... That's probably true a couple of years, three, four decades ago. All right. Well, here is my question, though. If I have a caddy, if I were to show up and bring a caddy, who's carrying the weed, the player or the caddy? Well, it used to be both, but then it was the caddy, and now it's none because, you know, these guys have changed the rules. With the over $300 million industry now, these kids are like, yeah, these kids are wearing collared shirts. They they can't smoke. They can't even smoke a cigarette on the property anymore. Oh, No less food. I may be out on so, disc golf. I yeah, gotta be so outside they, they really and cannot smoke cigarettes, huh? The best way I would say it is when 20 years ago when I started, the top 10, not too uncommon for what you said. Now the top 10 in the world, I don't think there is one. Did the game, does your game get better on the back nine, like when I, I start drinking beer on the back nine, or do you just think it gets better? Well, it depends on how much you did on the front nine. You might be too <laughs> tired by the back nine. <laughs> So, so these so, guys that you're that you're talking about, the you know the top players in the world, is yeah. there a workout regimen that they're doing outside of of throwing discs? I mean, are these guys working oh, yeah. out. They're, 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 yeah, they're at the gym full time. They have trainers and everything. Wow. I mean, it, it does take quite a bit. I mean, to throw a disc two, three football fields. Oh yeah. I mean, you're thro- the guys are throwing over a hundred mile an hour. That's bananas. So, man. do I, they now? If I wanted my kid to be a disc golfer. Should I, in high school, get Tommy Don- John surgery for them to make them better throwers? Uh, no, I would work on their elbows. Elbows. Okay, I need to ask you yeah. a question because before you got on the air, 
there was an event on ESPN. No, because they got cornhole on ESPN now. They got the fastest pizza pizza box top folder. I saw it yeah. on ESPN. Oh, you saw that? Why? Why on <laughs> earth do we not see any more see more disc golf on ESPN? Why? Why were you getting shortchanged in that area? Well, I, I think the answer really simply is they showed us the last year they had Paul McBeth, you know, good round on there. I've been on like some you know top ten stuff for aces, but if you're thinking about why we're not on there, it just costs so much to film. Because disc golf is not something you can film in one room like cornhole. Gotcha. You can film cornhole in one room all weekend. You need, you know, camera set up. It doesn't move. The guy can leave and go. But disc golf, you're covering, you know, 50 to 80 acres. You'd have to have towers everywhere, like, you know, just like ball golf. And I think the overall investment is millions. I just don't think yet that the sponsors are looking at it as if they get an a ROI. Gotcha. I, don't know, I think that's man. what I'm seeing. It seems you know. to me like with some drones and some body cams, you could you could put some cool video together. I'm just thinking with your, well, I mean, your 200 clubs and your three bag bag boys, that you, they could probably film the whole thing. Yeah, I think you're awesome. Think about how great it would be, though, if you could get real footage from behind the Frisbee as it's floating through the air and flying oh, all the different angles. I, I think people might like that, but yeah. you know, I think it would take setting up, like you said, like zip lines with you know cameras and the whole nine yards but you know we're getting there right now people don't realize it but we have some people that are you know production companies in the sport and they're not huge but they're you know in the youtube hundred thousand dollars hundred thousand follower clubs and stuff like that and so they're 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 doing it but to take that next step we need someone like a pepsi or somebody to say okay i'll put up a half million so you can make this production correct because espn they want us to pay that's how they work now with really our side yeah they come to your sport they say hey you can be on espn but it costs this much well, that's okay because you've got a whole generation of uh, of advertisers who's about to figure out that baseball is a uh, is a waste of time. So maybe maybe some of those will peel off and and you can pick them up for disc golf. Now you you talked about the fact that this is a three hundred plus million dollar operation annually now with all of the different companies that are involved. You've got this huge event in Austin. Um, as you were coming through. On the on the sort of the front side of disc golf becoming a professional thing, what did that look like? I mean, the the early days because I'm sure at this point people are flying out there, they've got sponsors. Um, but what did it look like on the front side of disc golf, sort of of carving out its place in the in the sports world? It's so funny you say that because yes, yeah, sure, I've made it where you're saying now. Do you know we made it by the end of my career? I was flying all over the world and you know different countries and stuff. But in the beginning. I was going to college, and these guys came up to me, and they were the first two guys to try to make a living playing disc golf. And they asked me to go on tour with them in their 1973 Winnebago, just like Tin Cup. I slept in the luggage rack, and we literally ate like 99-cent sandwiches to get by, and to the point where I would have to write a check for my entry fee and then go to the tournament director on Sunday knowing the bank was closed and say, hey, I won more than my entry fee. Can I have my check back? I'll give you the difference. Wow. You know, that, that's how, how, how hard it was to make it back then. And, um, you know, I made, I'll give you an example. I made $3,400 my first year on that bagel. And what year was that? That's it. That was 1999. So 20 years later, you have turned this... The kid, the top kid right now, is making probably you know upwards near a million dollars as endorsement. 
and I was making three thousand twenty years ago. Dude, we've got this so wrong, man. Esports, this kid, you know, fifteen-year-old kids making millions of dollars. Disc golf, they're making a million bucks here, and I, I, I'm not living right, man. There's just no way. So yeah, no, was, they're not making that off prize money. I want to tell everybody those are all endorsements. So. So as we're, as it applies to endorsements, a few years back, I know that I could walk into Dunham's or Hibbets or Dick's, and there were disc golfs. Uh, what do you call them? Do you just call them discs? Yeah, discs. Yep, like this, like discs without the uh, U. So yeah, it's, like, it, it's it, like roller. It, it seems it's like when you roll, <laughs> it's called a roller. Very yeah, very simple vernacular. <laughs> so my question is though, I used to see these huge displays with discs everywhere in these sporting goods stores and now it's become something that you kind of have to seek out if you're buying retail is that is is most of the business with these um with the equipment is it online is that what's happened with that there's a huge online business but what really has happened is that you know back then disc golf was on the up and up and dicks and people like that saw the profitability but at the same time there was no mom and pop shops. There was very few. They could barely, they couldn't make it. But now the sport has grown to where it's at. Almost every town has one to two disc golf only stores. Really? In them. Yeah. So then that really took away from the uh, chain level. And I think a lot of the manufacturers moved to supporting mom and pops because they want to see them succeed over the national chain. But a good example is like in Charlotte. There's two shops in Charlotte that sell this. Wow. Who yeah. knew? So, it, 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 as a as a ball golfer, I have to replace my clubs to keep up with with new technology every five ten years. If you go any yep. farther than that, then the the technology is just sort of passed you by. Does the same hold true in disc golf, or have you guys kind of reached a, the a, a zenith with with regard to the quality of the equipment? No, it's going up all the time. The stuff I used in twenty years ago, I don't use a single one of those. So and what are everything's they, new. They're advancing the wing. They're making the wing, you know, better. They're making more consistent. The plastic qualities are going up. And, uh, you know, where you could throw it into a brick wall a hundred times and it doesn't change. Wow. You know, there's an example. Like the ones I started with in 99, which wasn't even that, you know, which was still 20, 30 years into it. They were made out of a material that if I hit a tree, it would bend in half and I couldn't really use it on the next hole. <laughs> wow. You know, they call they would call it taco. I tacoed it. And, uh, <laughs> And, and, you know, today if I take that disc that they're giving me and I throw it into the tree, even at 80, 90 mile an hour, I can pick it up and it doesn't even change. Man. So this this event that you've got coming up in Austin, talk to us a little bit more about it and tell us what it's going to look like. Well, what I'm trying to do is that, you know, in a sport like ours that's growing, you always have your top professionals, like in darts or pool, but and then you have amateurs. But I feel like because it's a hobby sport, you have these semi-professional players. And these are players who obviously couldn't beat Paul McBeth, as you mentioned. But they're obviously played long enough to be better than yourself, you know, that goes out and plays Sanford with Roller. Right? So, that being said, they they don't really have a place. And we're losing a lot of people in the sport who, are like, get good enough to play but not good enough to be a pro, so they don't know where to go. So, I, me and my wife decided to try to make a tour where we could pay these players so that they could either take the money and make the next step to professional or, you know, have enough money to pay their expenses so their wife doesn't tell them they can't go anymore, <laughs> you know, basically. And, and so that's what we came up with. So I have a qualifier. Every state in the United States has events, and these players qualify, and the top players from each state 
head to Texas, to Austin, Texas. And like I said, $50,000, uh, so 7000 for first for an amateur, down to like 25th is over 1000 And then these guys are going to have a great experience. I mean, I feed them with uh, uh, barbecue and all kinds of meals the whole way, players packs, interviews. They have a live coverage. There'll be live coverage on the Internet that I pay for. And, you know, it really gives these these guys that aren't the Paul McBeth the experience that they're looking for. And and maybe you, you'll get a Paul McBeth, you know what I mean? Because there's a couple kids that, you know, have been in our tour already that have turned professional. And uh, the one that looks to win it this year, he's uh, he's playing at a, a maybe a top 50 professional ranking already, and he hasn't even turned pro. Wow. So I think, I think that we're trying to develop that next generation of players. And the winners of our tour, besides getting all the prizes, the top five get guaranteed spots into the professional tour. Kind of like in ball golf. We've, we've set that up with the professional tour. So if you finish in the top five in our event at the end of the year, you're guaranteed to be able to play in the 12 pro events next year and see if you got what it takes. Very cool. Hey, we've got to go to a break. Can you stick around for a few minutes uh, and, and get through this break with us? Yeah, no problem. All right, very let's good. Football with you guys. Uh, oh, so let's talk football. You, you got my attention now, Dave. Dave Feldberg. <laughs> Disc golf champion on the phone with us. We'll uh, we'll have him back after the break. You're listening from the cheap seats in Central North Carolina. Appreciate you hanging out with us. WFJA 105.5, Sanford, Pinehurst, Southern Pines. So why do teenagers play high school sports? My reason why is a sense of purpose. My reason why is to inspire others. One reason student athletes seldom mention is to get an athletic scholarship. They know that only 2% of all high school athletes are awarded a sports scholarship. So why do they play? My reason why is friendship. Tell us your reason using the hashtag MyReasonWhy. This message presented by the NFHS and the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. Have you mixed your pain meds, your sleep meds, your allergy meds? Call the Poison Helpline. Has your child eaten a tube of toothpaste, a chip of paint, a wild mushroom? Call the Poison Helpline. Have you been bitten by a spider, a snake, an insect? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Joel Klein catches a 7 o'clock train after his evening CPR class at the American Red Cross. Ron Garrett is on the same train. He's had a rough day and doesn't feel like himself. Until he feels the sudden tightness in his chest, Ron never thought he'd actually have a heart attack. Until Joel is administering CPR, he never thought he'd actually save a life. When you train with the Red Cross, you change a life. Starting with your own. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org to learn about life-changing opportunities in your area. Tweens have mastered the art of tuning out. Jen, there's a spider in the car. We're turning your room into a home gym. See? Nothing. But some messages need to get through. Like making sure they're buckled up. The whole ride, every time. Do whatever it takes to make your child listen. Jen, I friended your boyfriend. Wait, what? 
Buckle up, sweetie. Never give up until they buckle up. Learn more at safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Professor Trent got a call on the bat phone and had to bounce. You always got to take the money call. Got to take the money call. Got to take the money call. But we're, we're de- we've departed from the mainstream, and I'm I'm not going to lie. Um, disc golf, I'm kind of geeking out on this, and, and you know how I am. I'm obsessive. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to play this weekend. There's no doubt. In fact, I'm not going to wait till the weekend. I'm going to go out. You want to come out and play? I'll give it a shot. All right. Cool, 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 cool. So world champion disc golfer. Dave Feldberg's on the phone with us. I, I, first of all, I want to know: Do you call yourselves disc golfers? Do you call yourself disc golf players? What's the what's the right term? Disc gol- we call ourselves disc golfers. All right, sure. all right. I didn't want to offend you. You know, you might you might come down here and want to fight me. Hey, you know, you're not going to offend me. I was the guy that went on Conan O'Brien when he was on the major network in San Francisco, and he asked me the same question. I said, "It's frisbee golf," and boy, <laughs> cool. I took a lot of heat. So don't don't worry. Speaking of disrespect, I was just talking to our producer, Costin, over here. And the the uh, the course that I was referring to is connected to another park. And it now only has 17 holes because they put that silly dog park thing over there. So they took out one of the holes. But he wanted me to ask you, there's one called, I think it's called the Rock Ridge, Rock Ridge uh, that 3M built. I didn't know. How far does... Your, you know your your tournaments and stuff like that. Would we ever be able to land one here? That's supposed to be a oh, really yeah. nice one for for 3M that they built. Yeah, no, you guys have tournaments there. As it comes to like bringing in the Paul McBass and stuff, it might be a lot more difficult. But they come as close to you as like Charlotte. You may see them in a Raleigh event. It's possible, you know. But you know, getting into Sanford, you're probably going to get you know some decent regional players. And you guys have a player there that's out of Tarboro which is uh, Brian Schweberger, who's another great player over 40. You know, he was one of the top touring players a few years, and uh, he lives right there. So you'd see him, you know, he wins most of the events in that area. So so what do we have to do to get you to get involved, man, and bring one of your amateur events right here to Sanford, North Carolina? Just tell me you want to do it, that you're going to come out and be a part of the challenge, and uh, we can try to set one up for next year. Shut up. Did, did you hear what I'll he just it. said, Brandon? What did he say? Hey, see, you're, you're talking, man. You're, you're offline. So I'm going to tell you that, yes, we want to get involved. And, yes, we want one right here. Well, yeah, i got good news for you. Are you ready? Yeah. And nobody knows this. This will be the first time I've said this on any kind of podcast. My wife and my uh, – I have a newborn. He's, oh, congratulations. Uh, six months old. His name's Leo Max. We're thinking about, uh, about 95%. We're going to move to North Carolina. Oh, oh Sweet. Dude, we're, we won't be in your, your side, but we're looking at, uh, uh, you know, Asheville, which oh is yeah. only about two hours. Oh, yeah, so Asheville's nice. Asheville's a good you, – you, you're a beer drinker? Uh, you know, I, I like the taste of a good beer. I'm not, a, you know, someone who drinks, you know, regularly every day or anything, but I enjoy it. But we just speak the culture there gives you a chance to raise a really good kid. Yeah. You know, you've got, you'll have endless options. Asheville is a Asheville is a good spot, but also home to about a gazillion microbreweries. That's why I ask. Well, uh, one thing oh, I, was I, just, I know. 
I was asking our producer, where is this? It's not actually this new course from 3M is not in Sanford. It's in a place called Moncure that's only about 20 minutes outside of Raleigh. We, we got to make this happen. There you go. We got to make this happen. Can we can we call it the the cheap seat invitational? We can call it the cheap seat invitational presented by Next Generation Tour. But, dude, oh, that sounded so I, sweet. You, you don't understand. Brandon and I are like king of the bad ideas. This is like a good one. I'm I'm I'm, I'm so fired up about this. And uh, you're going to get off the phone and be like, "What did I just roll, wrap myself into?" That just rolled off the tongue. We're make nice. this happen. The cheap teeth invitational, dude. I am so down for this. A thousand percent. Yeah, we will. We will stay in touch and definitely, definitely make this happen. Before we we geek out into some fantasy football, is there anything you want to get out there to the general public? We've got listeners all over the country. Anything that you want well, to take to the masses about disc golf? Well, first thing I want to say, if you're interested in amateur disc golf or anything, head to nextgenerationtour.com, which is our website, or go to our Facebook page, Next Generation Tour, give us a like, and then you'll see what's going on. Um, but besides that, i just like to say that, you know, most of the people out there that are listening to this show that have heard of disc golf are like, whatever, whatever. I know it's, I've been to a park. It's for drinking and smoking and all those different things, you know, and that is true on, you know, a lot of recreational level. But if I went recreational to a golf course, it'd be the same thing. You know what I mean? That's a, and you I, know what? That's you know, a fair as, point. As a, that, that's an golfer, absolutely a fair point. Well, could, you know, yeah. the other piece of that is specific to me. Drinking has got me involved in most things that I do. <laughs> so it's just not right. limited so, to disc, right? Right. So that's what I think that's what's going on in society. And so I think that people just need to realize that everything grows. And if you look at the top professionals now, it's a real professional thing. And they have standards. And and they put on a pretty good show. I mean, if you, you know, can imagine seeing a guy throw at two, three football fields on call and land it, you know, it's pretty exciting to see the flight. And most people are attracted to the flight of things. It's a, it's a human being nature. And I think that, you know, if it can be filmed correctly or people can start to see what that it's not just for hippies and dogs and tie-dyes, then people will realize that it's, you know, a good sport. And I'll leave you with this. If you, pickleball is trying to challenge, but we're the fastest growing sport in the U.S. have been for a few years. And, you know, it's a, a, a thing that fits society better. If you're a kid today and you're growing up, you don't got time to make an appointment, pay $70, put on a special outfit, and be committed to five to six hours of playing a sport. But you do have time to stop at your lunch break and play nine holes. You know, you, I think that's the difference, and it costs you maybe $8, $10 to invest. And I think that if you look at today's society, people want a cheaper investment, and we need to get people off the couches. People don't want to go out for six hours, but if you say, hey, go play three holes with me, maybe you can get your little brother off the couch instead of playing video games. So I think that that's what we need to work on. It's a game where you can enjoy nature, but at the same time, it can be played with your six-year-old son and your 80-year-old grandma. You guys can all play together and actually have a good time. And that's pretty rare in most sports. I can't play basketball with my grandma. Well, I've decided that I can't beat you, even if you spot me 30 strokes, but somebody's 80-year-old grandma, I got that. I do love, I do love sight unseen. You're like probably thirty or forty strokes. <laughs> That's just awesome. But that was before we knew you, you were the player of the decade. But hey, uh, I have two daughters. What's the women's involvement um, like in your sport right now? What percentage? What percentage you would you say? Ten percent. We're at ten percent right now. But you know what's funny is when I was in the '90s, you'd be lucky to see four or five women at a pro event. And now you're seeing, you know, sometimes up in the 60 to 70. So you're starting to see that women are really trying to get out there and do it. And I think that's, you know, what's going on in society. Women are trying to do, you know, lots of different things now instead of just being at home. But um, 
it's growing, and we have uh, some really talented uh, women who can throw, you know, a football field and a half on call. So, are, and, are, know, do so, the women play alongside the men at these events, or is there a women's category? There's a women's category. They don't play against us. Uh, one, one or two have tried, kind of like, uh, you know, Sorenstam used to try, you know, and one or two have made a cut before, or, ca- or what they would say cashed in our event. But in general, they have their own category. And, they're you know, they're probably paid on a scale of maybe half of what the men are paid, which is still isn't too bad when you see their numbers, you know, compared to how many men are playing. But, yeah, they're, 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 there's a, a group of women trying to make a living and uh, grow in the sport. And I think that we just need to find some uh, more women athletics, you know, like some of those volleyball players or those bigger women who, you know, have a lot of power for these kind of sports and could show us what they can do. I think that we're not attracting them because a lot of women don't really want to go somewhere where they think it's going to be a bunch of drinking and smoking unless they're a promiscuous woman. You know, and I think that, you know, unless we can change that, which we're working on, then it'll be more, you know, inviting for women to come out. And once we do that, and we are working on it, you know, it's then funny. women will come out and get, we can see some of the top women athletes attempt disc golf, you know. And I think that once we see that, we can see women who could compete with men. Maybe not at the top, but, you know, decent. And just to give you an idea... You were saying, how many can I beat you by? The top woman still probably beats you by about 10 or 15. Easy. Are you, are, Dave, are you challenging me? <laughs> I'm just letting you know so you can get a perspective. I, I got to be real careful with that. My wife tells me all the time that I'm a cad. Um, or that I actually, she says that I come off as a cad on the radio and it's not really a good indicator of who I really am. I, I, I don't know, man. Maybe she's just trying to be nice. This would, wouldn't describe how... Chris DeLambert looks, but Chris is like a Chihuahua. He he's kind of like he's a big dog stuck in a little dog's body. So he feels like he can take on anybody and anything. Right? I appreciate you saying I'm in a little dog's body. I'm six one, about two. Well, that's what I'm saying. It didn't it didn't describe what you look like. It's your mindset. You know, Chihuahua doesn't know its limitations. I just forget sometimes that I'm not 19 and that I can't do everything. Well, I'll tell you one of my first uh, radio shows I used to listen to was uh, out of Detroit. It was a uh, Detroit Tigers show that we used to listen to, um, and Kurt Gibson used to be on the show. And Kurt Gibson challenged a disc golfer and came out and, uh, you know, played a match against a disc golfer in the late 90s. And uh, he threw pretty well, you know, he's athletic, but, you know, he didn't get close, you know. But How bad did he get beat? It was interesting to see an athlete like Kurt Gibson try to throw a Frisbee. Yeah, because Kurt Gibson not only know. I mean, everybody remembers the home run, you know, had a great career in baseball, but he also played wide receiver at Michigan State. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, he was athletic. And yeah, a mustache. Sure. Heck of an athlete. Had a, I mean, right away, you played. Right away, he threw up a football field first day. Wow. Well, that was going to be one of my questions. Is, is that the big separation between women and men, the distance? And what's the longest course I mean, you've ever played? Uh, like, longest hole you've ever played? The longest hole I've ever played is like uh, 1,500 feet, you know, so probably about five and a half football fields or something. Wow. You know, par, par five. But uh, women don't throw as far. No, you're correct. But the top, top women, like I said, throw, you know, football field and a half compared to two football fields of the men. But there's a lot less of them. There might be a handful of women who can do that where there's, you know, 50 guys in the U.S. on call that could do that. You know? Wow. So I think that's the difference is, sure, we have a couple that can do it. But the, if you go to your local course and meet your average woman, she probably can't throw uh, over a football field, you know, yet. But I just think that's because, like I said, we're attracting more of the hobbyists. And someone, you know, maybe it's their their husband plays or 
they played because they went out for fun. We haven't really attracted too many of those like college level women athletes yet. Mm-hmm. Well, see, now I'm discovering <clears throat> that I don't know much about your sport at all because. Like, I'm 45, and I got my arm strength is, like, gone, right? And I can come close to most holes in our in our local, the O.T. Sloan one. Have you ever been out there, Chris? Yes. Yeah, so we're talking about two different animals here. I'm not even th- – I was I went into this not even knowing the distance on some of these courses. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't think that entire course from one side to the other is yeah. 1,500 feet. It's like putt-putt disc is what we have here in Sanford. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with golf, regular golf, like you're saying, you can you can hit a club to your 60 and still you know hit a 300 yards. But in disc golf, I mean, it's athletic. You're using your you're the club. So as soon as you wear the club out, you know you you don't throw it as far. And that's just really the, the simple difference. And that's why I think it will become more of a sport because people hear the word golf and frisbee, and the first thing they think is, well, that's not a sport. But you know, once you look at it and you see what they're doing. A guy running up, you know, 15, 20 feet with a very coordinated run-up and throwing 100 mile an hour on, on accuracy. That, I mean, that takes some real, real power. And a lot yeah. of players are getting injured. You know, the, the more we're advancing it, every year we're having a top player who blows out a shoulder or knee God. or, you know. So it's, it's become quite athletic. I personally have had uh, three surgeries in my career. Good God. So yeah. for the for the for the general public, if there's somebody sitting out here today that says, you know what, we we've got a disc golf course close to us, I'm going to go check this out. What are the essential things that they need to take out on the course with them? How many how many discs and what discs specifically do they need to go pick up at their local sporting goods store or order f- online before they roll out there and play to have any real shot of, of doing anything? They can, put, they can play with one disc easily, but I would recommend two just because what happens is, A, where it lands, just like in ball golf, you got to go from behind it. So if you if that's your mark. So if you pick it up and it's the only one you got, then you're not really throwing from behind your mark ever. You know, so that would be difficult. And there's a good chance in your first couple times you might lose it. You know, you might throw it into some place where you can't find it, you know. And so having an extra, you know, you've got one and you go out there and you lose it and you're halfway through the round, it ruins your day. You know, so make sure you get a couple. You don't have to get fancy ones. I would get a, what's called a putter and then any other kind of driver. And I would buy the cheapest, junkiest ones I could find. Yeah. And the reason for that is because if you can get ones that are, like, cheaper, they break in fast. And the faster they break in, the more they, they become easier to throw. I mean, now, I know that sounds weird, but... On a professional level, we can't throw those. If I throw them, they won't fly. They'll just, like, jump over and land on the ground. But if you don't have the speed to make something fly, if, as you break it in, the the wind resists it less because the wing isn't as sharp anymore, and it allows it to, to fly straighter. So someone with less arm speed that's learning can actually get a flight. So I would recommend cheap DX, they call them, which is, like, the uh, not shiny stuff. And just get yourself a putter and a driver and head out to the course and, and just realize one thing. It's just like golf. When you start, you're going to throw it really bad. And it's going to be discouraging, but just look for someone who's doing it correctly and mimic them or go online. And the beer. And take a look. Yeah. Um, just a quick question. Do, if it's windy that day, dude, does that just kill the whole event or do you have a wind club? Well, that's what I, that's where I think we separate from golf and other stuff. People think, well, golf's so much harder. I mean, I played a Nike Pro once with a, in a doubles match. And we beat him, and he freaked out because we shot 63, and he shot 64 on his professional ball golf course. And, you know, he said, it's not the same. It's not as hard. Well, 
yeah, certain aspects are not as hard, but think about this. A ball goes through the wind pretty easy, you know, and sure there's some effect to it, you know, 10% or something, but you're throwing a, a Frisbee that has a lift that's designed to catch air into a 40, 50 mile an hour wind, you really have to know what you're doing to make it go anywhere. I mean, I'll tell you what, amateur tournaments, they have a lot of videos out there. You can look them up. One of them's called like a GBO putt. Type that for fun. GBO putt. The guy throws it into the wind. He's an amateur. He doesn't know what he's doing. It floats up in the air and flies back over his head 100 feet. <laughs> no way. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's called GBO putt. <laughs> and, you know, so there's an example of, you know, not, it does take a lot more skill. And I think that one thing that's different is once we let go of it, we can't tell the wind current's going to change or how much wind's up there 25 feet high. We're having to make an educated guess and go after it. And, boy, wind is difficult. And it's, it's the X factor for sure. And All it's right. exciting. You see, a di- you know, see discs that are floating hundreds of feet up in the air. You know, it's pretty exciting to watch. <laughs> so. All right. Well, very cool, man. Uh, give us the website one more time. NextGenerationTour.com or NextGenDiscGolf.com. You can head to either one or look, search that on Facebook or Google. You'll find us. We have a schedule of events on there, 200 in the U.S. And then that will lead you to places like the PDGA, which is our professional organization where there's thousands of events and all the information. So just head to nextgendiscgolf.com, and you'll uh, you'll find out a lot about this tour and disc golf, and, and it'll link you to anywhere you want to go in the sport. All right, folks, that was Dave Feldberg with everything you ever wanted to know about disc golf. Now, my real question for you, you fancy yourself as, as quite a fantasy football player. In the last couple well, I mean, of weeks, in the last couple of weeks, we have gone through and, and given our top ten fantasy quarterbacks. We've we've pulled apart all of the fantasy running backs. And this week, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but we need to give a, a short list of tight ends and sort of where they stand in our eyes. I want to know from you your top three tight ends this year in fantasy football. Wow. Well, top three, I mean, that kind of limits the list. You know, I would say that just real quick, you know, thinking about the field of tight ends out there, you know, you have your, your tiers. You have the, only the three guys that are really worth anything, and then you have the other guys who hopefully could be a top-tier guy, but most of them don't turn out. They end up, you know, 100 points or so less per year. Um, so, you know, if you're looking at who could break into the top three, you know, I would say Hunter Henry looks pretty good, but he's never healthy. Um, O.J. Howard, very athletic, and, you know, with Winston coming to his own, I could see it happen. A lot of people are picking Jack Doyle to move up into a top position over Ebron, but I think Ebron's better than people think. You know, I think that he's actually got some game, so people are trying to get him ahead. And, you know, another popular pick is Austin Hooper because of his athletic ability and Matt Ryan always dump into tight ends. So, I mean, that could be an option. And, you know, if you look at the rookies, Hutchison, T.J., and Noah Fant, probably the top two rookies. I don't really see them breaking in like you've seen some of the tight ends in the past couple of years. I'd be surprised if Hutchinson can even break in with Stafford. It's pretty inconsistent. So, you know, I don't see the rookies making an impact this year. So the top three has still always been the top three that everybody will have. It's Ertz, Ertz, Kittle, and Kelsey. And, uh, you know, it's obvious that Kelsey has Mahomes. And, you know, if you don't think he's the next Aaron Rodgers, you're not watching football. You know, so it doesn't matter how good Kelsey is. If he if he drops a little bit, he's going to catch, you know, see what, 10, 15 targets a game. So he's a lock. You got Ertz with everybody thinking Wentz is going to be, you know, an MVP. Everybody thinks Wentz is going to be MVP this year. You got, you know, people like, you know, Riddick and Bullock out there on those uh, podcasts saying MVP, no problem, Super Bowl caliber roster. 
So Ertz will be okay and solid. I never thought he was flashy enough to be someone I wanted. Um, but Kittle, I think Kittle's the, the best choice in the top three because Kittle has that upside of, you know, big 200-yard games possible. Their offense is all over the place. Nobody else can really step up. And he just looks to be kind of like the new Gronk. You know, it's like, it's like he's hard to tackle. He catches everything that's near him. And, uh, you know, I think Kittle is probably the best choice. You know, if you're looking for the easiest play, Kelsey. If you're looking for the biggest upside, Kittle. If you're looking for someone who gets you eight points every single week, go with Ertz. So I'm, I'm going to have to agree with just about everything you said. I, 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 on the other hand, Kelsey to me, Travis Kelsey is such a safe bet, such a, a seasoned um, sort of established producer that I've got Kelsey in a, in a class by himself. You know, yeah, if you look at this tier-wise, you probably put Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz together. I'm going to say that Kelsey is the one of these guys that you consider investing in the first round or two in. Um, Brandon, where are you where are you at with that? Is, well, Kelsey, you know, is Kelsey head and shoulders above? You know I had him last year, right? Well, okay. So my thing is, no, it wasn't because I was smart and picking <laughs> him. He just landed to me, and he's just an absolute – the most consistent. He even has, you know, you mentioned, I think you said Kittles with upside. He's still got upside. That offense, they had backup quarterbacks, although, it, albeit like it's preseason football, so it's not real, real. But they had two quarterbacks just throwing it all over the field because that offense is so good. Yeah, um, and, and to follow on with what you said about Kittle, the concern I've got with San Francisco is that there are no real other established weapons out there. Garoppolo's going to be back. We think we know what he is. Kittle is probably more of a go-to in that offense than any other tight end in football, to be frank. The question is, though, is now that he's put a huge year on paper and onto film, do teams go in game planning against San Francisco and say, look, we're just going to take away Kittle. You're going to have to beat us outside. I mean, it's it's totally possible. I see what you're saying about Kelsey. He kind of reminds me of, I know people won't like this, but a Jimmy Graham in his prime. Right. You know, Jimmy Jimmy Graham, when he was at the Saints, was, you know, pretty athletic, formal basketball player. And mm-hmm. I think that Kelsey fits that mold, and we'll see if he can keep going. I mean, obviously he's talented. I saw those preseason catches that you're talking about already. And uh, I think he's great, but I think this like a Kittle is just such a beast that even if you target him, it's like they targeted on Gronk, no problem, but he comes down with the ball. And I think that he's such a big guy that it's hard to get into his inner uh, area to stop him from making the catch. Now, they might be able to stop his yards after catch because they got linebackers spied on him or, you know, a a DB, but they're not going to be able to stop him from catching the ball because he's too big of an area. Right. You know, just a thought. Just a thought. Yeah, I'll tell you who I kind of like going into this year if I can't land Kelsey is I like Vance McDonald out of Pittsburgh. You know, Antonio Brown's gone. You got Juju's going to catch the double team this year. And they don't have the Le'Veon Bell catching in, you know, in the slot. You got Big Ben's got to throw it to somebody. And I know that they'll come up with somebody. I think I heard his name the other day, who they're going to put on the other side of him. But I just see Washington. Vance. What's that? Yeah, Washington. I just think Vance McDonald is probably going to get some of those looks. And so that you know, I was ahead of the trend on James Washington. And, and a week ago, told people, James Washington is your sleeper at the receiver position. Hey, James well, what Washington do you guys think? I I could have got James Washington for my second pick in Dynasty, but I took I took Galladay. Like, I think Galladay is a better choice than Washington. Yeah, I like you? that pick as a sleeper. 
Uh, yeah, Ken, he, Kenny Galladay, not a bad, not a bad one, not a bad one at all. Well, that's if I was a wide receiver and I was any good, the last place I would want to play is in Pittsburgh. The because, last place because, you know, like if you're wanting to get paid, they're like, don't you see this revolving door of receivers that we? That's put? a fact. I mean, they just <laughs> plug, they plug and play, and they're just uh, it all seems to work out. The other guy. Hey, that, well, why, why, you're talking AFC North real quick. Not to interrupt you, but none of you guys mentioned Noku. He can't catch. Joku or whatever. And Joku can't I know, catch. That, that offense is going to be pretty good. It, it, it is. And if Njoku can actually catch the football um, instead of putting it on the ground all the time, Njoku is a great pickup. Um, I do wonder, though, in a an offense with as many – Centers of gravity is is in that you've got the you know you've got the two wide receivers with Beckham and Landry you've got Nick Chubb that you got to take care care of coming out of the backfield I wonder if Injoku is kind of the forgotten man but Injoku's just not going to get enough looks if he cannot catch the ball consistently he can stretch the field he's a matchup nightmare in theory but he just doesn't catch the football well so he's a he's a high risk reward and and we talked about at length about. Kelsey and Kittle, who are probably one and two. Zach Ertz is in that mix. The question with Ertz is, does he get a touchdown this week or does he not? Because he's probably the steadiest performer out of there, not near as much upside. He He's a safe bet, and I do think is a solid three. You touched on Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry out there in San Diego was a very sexy pick last year until he got hurt in the preseason. This is the year, and, and it's hard to predict the injuries, but Hunter Henry is a guy to keep your eye on after you get into the middle rounds because Hunter Henry is going to be the guy. Um, Antonio I mean, Gates is gone. He's out of there. Gates and we know how much Philip Rivers loves his tight ends. Yeah, say Gates' numbers say it all. And, and Henry's looks pretty good on paper, but, you know, I don't know. He could be a bust. I, I don't want him to be because I really like him. But, David, you know, did while you... we're talking, who should did you notice how? Spot. I'm sorry. Did you notice how Chris jumped out of the AFC North? It's because he's a Bengals. Yeah, fan. he's a Bengals fan. That's why he wanted to get the heck out of there. Yeah, not a whole lot of great fantasy options in uh, in in Cincinnati outside of Joe Mixon. Um, it's well, how come you not mention Eifert? Eifert's decent. Eifert Eifert's not even going to start. Didn't he almost die last year? He did. He beat the. I think they he tore his leg off last year. CJ Uzama is the starter in Cincinnati. They're going to use Eifert uh, situationally. And uh, don't count on Eifert. If you draft Eifert, you're an idiot because he'll be hurt <laughs> at some point halfway through the season. Now, if you're if you're looking for a good second tight end, C.J. Uzama is going to be the guy. And especially with A.J. Green out, John Ross is hurt again, uh, Uzama will get some looks. But Eifert, he's running on reputation at this point. He is not going to start in Cincinnati barring injury. And frankly, even if there is an injury, they still won't put Eifert out there for a significant number of reps, he just cannot stay healthy. So, there's your feedback and your analysis. And I'm—I feel I'm conflicted because there's part of me that wants to put out a good product for radio, and there's another product wants to hold my cards close to my vest, you know, because my own draft is coming up. And I know there's a couple of people listening. They're like, "Okay, I, I, really, I know DeLambert's strategy. All I right, really all like. Right, all right. I like Priest Holmes this year." Priest Holmes, I love it. <laughs> Dave, we appreciate you coming on, talking about disc golf. We appreciate you breaking down fantasy tight ends with us, and uh, we'll be in touch, man. I really, really seriously 
want to talk to you about this uh, this disc golf event out in Moncure. I think we could make something happen with it. Oh, I'm not joking with you guys. I'll be uh, working on it over the winter, and I'll be contacting you. We'll have the cheap, cheap seats open. Dude, I am. I'm <laughs> I fired it. up, man. All right, brother. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks again, Dave Feldberg. You are the man. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. That was fun. Yeah, it was fun. That was fun. We got half an hour to go. We'll take a quick break. Get on the get on to the other side, and I want to talk about what we had up on social media this weekend. Hang out, check it out. Glory day to be cool. When young men turn 18, they think they know a lot about the facts of life. But there are a few more facts they need to know. Fact, you have to register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law. Fact, registration keeps you eligible for government jobs and student loans. Fact, it's easy to register. Just visit sss.gov or any post office. Register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law. And that's a fact. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. We are there, day one, with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there, as you grow, protecting you and those you love. And we are there, as you start your next chapter. We are with you through life's journey. We are Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you, A, get spiritual. Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B, find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or C, show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Swimming pools can be lots of fun, but they can be dangerous, too, especially for young children. Always practice simple safety steps to prevent tragedies. Fence all pools. Teach kids to swim. And always watch them around water. No horseplay. Simple steps save lives. To learn new life-saving steps, visit PoolSafely.gov. A public service message from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. A message from the American Migraine Foundation. It's an absolute nightmare. There's pain that does not stop. I feel trapped by migraine. Migraine is a disabling disease. I feel like I'm dying. You feel like the world's closing in on you. There's nothing you can do. It's like you're trapped in your head. There's no escaping it. You can't leave your body. Don't suffer alone. Make your move against migraine. Visit AmericanMigraineFoundation.org to find help, learn more, 
and get connected. From the Chiefs, he's Kristen Lambert, Brandon Atkins, hanging out in Central Carolina. And now we got to like get back into a groove. Um, I thought that went pretty well. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. It was kind of kind of interesting. And uh, the cheap seat open, dude. I can't get over how cool that sounds. You know, he kind of he kind of took it away from me. I said cheap seat invitational, and he just on the fly changed it to cheap seat open. And I think it's that much better. But um, yeah, I want to play some disc golf, and I, I think we should host a tournament right here regionally i think that'd be bananas um and he actually sounds like he knows what he's doing so if we could do this and not have to do anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm all for that man i'm all for that so this weekend i posed the question and it ties back to last week and we were we were looking at the question who is not in their hall of fame and should be and I want to run this back for another week because this kind of picked up traction and there were some really awesome suggestions out there. And and some of them were very predictable. It took a lot of self-control not to just go off in the body of this, this thread on Facebook because one of the names that popped up more than anybody else was Pete Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's the bottom line. I'm going to say this very clearly. Pete Rose belongs in the Baseball Hall of Fame, period. Period. There is no conversation to be had. Not only are the numbers there, not only are the championships there, Pete Rose was the face of baseball for a very, very long time. He is, when you when you talk about baseball from you know the 70s through the 80s, Pete Rose is probably the most identifiable player in the game. And I get that he's not a nice human being. I get that he gambled and perhaps even gambled on Reds games. I, I get all that. I really don't care. In a, in, a, in a game that has suffered through gambling, cocaine, steroids, all the rest of that, the gambling to me is a blip on the radar. This is not, you know, he wasn't shaving points. He wasn't throwing games. There, there's never been any speculation about that. Um, the guy gambled. Right. Okay, cool. You know, whatever. I, I don't care. And and the whole thing with, well, you know, he was banned from baseball. Well, there's always been speculation that Michael Jordan might have been banned from basketball for a little bit. You know, well, and, and that's a touchy subject with North Carolina folks. But that is a story that's out there. And, and you know, Michael Jordan was known as a high-stakes gambler. Now, his his game of, of choice seems to have been poker, but it's gambling, right? Well, I mean, just think about where we are in time, right? Back then, I guess it was – I remember it being such a bad thing that he, that Pete Rose bet on baseball. But look where we are. Like, we're about to have sports gambling legalized in the state of North Carolina. I think Roy Cooper has already signed off on it. If not, it's still on his desk. It will get signed, and it will get approved. But if you're going to tell me – that Pete Rose was the only player to ever have bet on their sport, you have got to be getting out of here. Because, I mean, I look at it like steroids. There's some obvious steroid user, but everybody was using. Only a couple of people got popped, right? Yeah. So, I mean, using just logic like that, 
you would have to say, come on, man. Okay, he's paid his price. Let him into the Hall of Fame. It's just we, we look at gambling. Everybody plays fantasy football in money leagues. Who's not gambling? You know what I mean? Like, and we just, we just look at gambling totally differently now. And so I just don't think it's that bad, particularly, I mean, he, he's a liar, but he claimed that he only bet for the Reds to win, which I don't know if you believe that, but that makes a big difference to me because, I mean, bet on yourself, is that a crime? You know what I mean? I mean, you see boxers do that all the time, right? In Vegas, betting on themselves. And, and you, you know, when you look at it, it is funny that you say boxing because I think that, you know, there is some some old crew of folks who look at it and you say, well, gamblers associated with baseball. Look, gambling is one of the driving forces for sports in America, period. You know, the, the bookies are making money. Is there a criminal element? Absolutely. I think that, you know, the legalization of gambling in different states across the country is – taking the edge off of of gambling and it's more widely accepted when you look back to the black Sox scandal back with the chicago white Sox throwing the world series allegedly against cincinnati reds you know you're talking about some very seedy characters involved you know and and shoeless joe still not in the hall of fame because of his association with those gamblers and and the black eye that it gave the game but when you fast forward to the era of Pete Rose, and you're talking about him, you know, betting as the manager on the Cincinnati Reds on regular season games. I just, I cannot get excited about it. And I can still remember, probably 88 sounds about right. I was a subscriber to the Sporting News as a, as a high school kid, and I can remember in the middle of the box scores a little one paragraph blurb that said that Pete Rose had been summoned to the commissioner's office and they wanted to talk to him about gambling. And I thought at the time, I was like, come on, Pete. And then over the course of the next, you know, 35, 45 days, this thing snowballed. And the next thing we know, the guy's been banned from baseball. Right. And he still says that he and Bart Giamatti, who was the commissioner at, the, at that time, had an agreement and that he was going to serve a suspension, come back to the game, all was forgiven. And then Bart Giamatti died suddenly and everything kind of went haywire. He and Bud Selig later on down the line, had a very adversarial relationship. Um, and that has seemed to carry on to the new commissioner, Rob Manfred. And I just think that in this, in the it, with all of the things that ail baseball right now, all of the problems they have, they could really make a lot of people happy. I don't think that there, there certainly are opponents of Pete Rose getting into the Hall of Fame, and they can make a decent case for it. Even if I accept that case, the number of people who feel that strongly that Pete Rose ought to be out pale in comparison to the number of people who are adamantly believers that Pete Rose ought to be inducted. Make them happy. Put him in. Come on, man. Well, you're you're a big-time Reds fan. Of course I am. Okay, so doesn't it make you sad that kids today who watch ESPN only associate Pete Rose with gambling. The guy who gambled. It does. It not Charlie does. Hustle. It, not the hit king. I mean, this guy has more hits than anybody in baseball. And baseball, more so than anything else, is about putting the ball in play and getting to first base. Pete Rose was the best that ever did it. And he's not in the Hall of Fame. Your Hall of Fame's a joke when you don't have the guy that did what the whole purpose of the game is more than anybody else ever 
he's sitting on the sidelines. It's dumb. It doesn't make any sense. Put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. That's my position. If you don't like it, go to Facebook. Tell me all about it. This is all you got to need to know. If Adam Silver was commissioner of baseball, Pete Rose would be in. Pete Rose not only would be in, Pete Rose would probably be working in the league office um, doing something. In fact, if I were going to you know, have somebody that, that uh, uh, wanted to be the face of baseball given this whole new gambling era in America, Pete Rose probably uh, – you could have some fun with some funny uh, ads and punchlines. But anyway, um, we are headed to a break. We're going to come back on the other side, wrap this thing up. But I want you to go to Facebook. If you go to Cheap Seat Radio uh, on Facebook, you can find the thread that is out there. I want your contributions. We're going to talk about a couple more of them as we come back in. And I want to give a shout-out to Callie Hammond here locally in Sanford who hit it out of the park. She had the best entry of everybody so far. She has set the bar And I'll share that with you on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Sanford, North Carolina on WFJ 105.5 FM and around the world on streaming radio and as podcast. To buy your home, you became a house hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. Now you're queen of your castle. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll feel empowered to own your retirement like you own your home. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to clearing financial hurdles, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life, young adults of unique determination and experience, an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. In 50 feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in .1 miles. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Debt. If you get in too deep, members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. A certified credit counselor helped me get back in control. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. NFCC taught me all I needed to know. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. We'll help you put debt in its place. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. We are live outside the home of Joe and Rosie Goddard, where a pretty big tickle fight broke out just minutes ago. Sources say their father instigated the laughter. Let's go inside for a comment. (laughs) Apparently, they have no comment. Dads, let this be a reminder that it only takes a moment to make a moment. 
Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. up i told you before the break and i I broke this down to to brandon and he'd look at me kind of wide-eyed when i started talking about this guy but callie hammond she wins and this is a guy i I thought a lot about this i went and looked at lists i was kind of peeling this back looking at numbers and she threw out there out of nowhere bill james and for those of you who are not deep baseball fans you probably have never heard the name Those of you that know anything about baseball know that statistics have absolutely taken over the game. And analytics has become the thing. Analytics are the the numbers employed by every sport now to kind of shape their roster. You know, they've, they've sort of surrendered and said, we can't possibly scout all these guys nationwide at every level. But we can take these statistics that they put up and we can extrapolate data and see how that's going to translate on the next level. Now, there are people out there who will tell you that analytics has killed scouting, in particular in baseball. And Bill James is not the guy that caused that to happen. He, he never proposed that you take these numbers and, and use these all by themselves. What he did, starting all the way back in 1977, and he's still doing it today, he created sabermetrics. He took these advanced stats that didn't exist. If you look at the back of a baseball card from 1975, you're going to have games, at-bats, hits, runs, doubles, triples, home runs, batting average, and slugging percentage. Strikeouts are probably in there, and that's basically it. That's, I mean, that's what you got, and that's what stats were kept. Bill James was the ultimate baseball nerd and while he was working as a security guard back in the mid 70s started writing these detailed statistical analyses of baseball and started tearing this apart and he actually began a project that took people from the general public and and brought them together under the umbrella of Stats Inc and they went back and started to create legitimate play-by-play breakdowns of every inning of every baseball game all the way back. And they created these stats based on the information they were able to glean. And things as simple as, you know, how many, uh, what, what percentage of base runners or, or potential base stealers do catchers throw out? That came from Bill James. Walks and hits per innings pitched was not a stat that existed before Bill James. OPS, 
all of these numbers, and then you take it out and you get to that next level where you start talking about things like win versus replacement. Um, all of that comes from the mind of Bill James. And his the, the published book that he put together, put out in several different iterations, was called The Baseball Abstract. And Bill James did all that. And when you look back at that body of work from 77 through to today, where you're still doing it, I cannot think of a single sports writer in any sport that has had that type of impact on the game. I mean, most sports writers, when you look at them, if they have a legit impact, it's regional. And you have guys like Rich Goslin out in Dallas with the Cowboys, and he's hugely involved with the Hall of Fame. He's a, he's a pivotal figure there in that particular market. But if you're not a Cowboys fan, you really don't have a, a really much invested in what he has to say. When you look at New York and Boston and big-time baseball markets like that, they, there are some regional writers up there that are a huge deal. And what they put to paper means something. They're, they're able to push franchises in different directions. They, they shape opinion about those teams, but it's about that team. You know, right. you've got some guys like Tim Kirkshin and, and folks like that, that across the board that are a big deal and they're a good talking head. And you listen to what they have to say and all the rest of that stuff. But when you look at the impact – you know, the next greatest impact I can think of over the course of the last 10 or 20 years is probably Woj. Adrian Wojnarowski from, from ESPN now. He, he just knows Robert. And that's not him doing anything. It's simply the number of contacts that he's got. He knows where all the dead bodies are buried. Yeah. Because he kind of came out of nowhere. He was a writer, I think, from maybe Yahoo for a while. But he came out of nowhere with all the breaking news last year. Yes. Like, all of it. And it's been that way for two or three years, and everybody, nobody else even tries to challenge him anymore. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> he has the contacts, and, and we've seen this work in football. You know, there have been, there have been short periods of time where a guy like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out Adam Schefter. But we've had Adam Schefter. We've had um, uh, Ed Werder. There's been a couple of guys, Chris Mortensen. That have that have been the go-to guy for NFL transactions for a yeah. little while. Peter King is a guy on a national level that usually has some good insight. But there's nothing Peter King or Adam Schefter or Peter Gammons over on baseball. Nothing that they've done that is going to have the lasting impact that Bill James has had. I can't, I can't think of a single reason why Bill James has not been inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. I think it's a good one. I'm not even going to argue it. I'm just going to – my vote goes to her and her selection. Callahan is wins the first round. Now, there's some other names out there. But, hey, before Go, you, you jump into that, I absolutely. just want to – First of all, Peter Gammons was, is a Tar Heel. He wrote for the DTH, and he was on the bus with Dean Smith when they hung him in effigy. Cool little story. That about. is pretty cool. Um, but – as far as this guy's accomplishments, let me tell you a, a quick story, and I'm going to dumb down the conversation for just a quick minute. I feel like some of that stuff has hurt baseball, though. And I'll give you an example. The only two times I've really focused in on baseball, tuned in to watch it, was McGuire Sosa, okay? And then the other one was when I was working at Static Control with my buddies, and they taught me into playing fantasy baseball <laughs> for two and a half, one and a half year. That was all you could take, huh? So one, I've made it one full year, and I think it's probably not whip, which you mentioned earlier, but I think something like whip or two things like whip categories came into the second year I played. And I'm like, 
this is first of all, it's an everyday sport. That's the problem. But on top of that, I'm like, wait, what? I gotta every year I gotta figure out what kind of category. It was like I was working two jobs at the same time, and I'm like, man, the the good thing about fantasy football is you can adjust it and dumb it down as much as you possibly can. And it's it's a weekly sport. I know that. That's the advantage it's got. But they just don't have all these bells and whistles like baseball. You really have to dig in and do your research on baseball. And that's why I was out in the second year. I was like, guys, I just can't. I'm sorry, but I just got to bail. Well, you can take all the numbers you want to as it applies to fantasy football. And if the numbers from year to year, week to week, month to month, if they stood up in fantasy football, it'd be kind of boring because you just take the best team, you know, statistically roll it out there. But there's so much that has to do with feel. There's so much that has to do with opportunity and with injuries in football. In baseball, if somebody hurts themselves and is down for the rest of the year, that really kind of sucks. But in football, from week to week to week, you have no idea what's going to happen with injuries. They linger. The shelf life on these guys is so short. You can go from year to year to year and take the top three or four running backs in football. And that's you know that's going to change every single year. You can't go back into a period of time over the last 15 years and say, okay, well, this group of four people were the best running backs in football. It just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You know, rookie's going to come in, it's going to break out, somebody's going to go down, somebody's going to change teams. That's just how it works. So it it's so much more intuitive as it applies to football. And the big thing that you said, I can go in, even as a deep fantasy player, it's hard to find a use for investing more than a couple hours a week into whatever transactions, put my squad together, locking it in, and now I'm going to ride out the weekend. Baseball becomes this dance where you have two options. You can either play a weekly league, which means that you lock your team in and let it roll for the week. A lot of people play that. The problem with it is, is it doesn't, it becomes a matter of getting cute and figuring out who's playing the most games this week. Doesn't matter if it's the best players, but if I've got somebody that's going to play seven games this week, they're going to put up better numbers than somebody that's going to play five. So it's that little dance. Basketball has the same problem. The thing I realized about baseball fantasy football is that the catcher, there's a lot of more tight ends now in football, but the catcher's kind of like the tight end. Yes. Because... There's only a handful of them that are going to put up anything offensively. Right. Yes, they're the, they're one of those magic positions. If you can get offense out of your catching position, you've got a leg up on everybody. But the other alternative with basketball and baseball is to play daily. Yeah. And most of us just don't have the bandwidth to play daily. Now, I do think that the FanDuel, you know, Fantasy Kings, those type things, DraftKings, has created a new opportunity because if I'm going to play a daily fantasy sport, I want to be able to play that day and bounce. Right. I don't necessarily need to be tied in where, okay, what I did three weeks ago is going to impact today if I've got a lot going on and I can't get to it. I'm the type of player, so, well, I was never good at Fortnite because I didn't want to learn how to build. <laughs> you know, if, you put, if you make it too much work, I'm out. Like So I want to go there and shoot up the place, and that's the extent of what I want to do. My, one of my kids turned me on to this little game that's like Fortnite without the building, and I think it's called Cyber Killer, and I downloaded it and played it for about 45 seconds, and I was like, I suck at this. No, thank you. I don't have time to get good at this. But back to the fantasy thing real quick as we, as we roll this thing to a close. Fantasy football, 
as it applies to everybody that doesn't necessarily want to put real cheese out there on the line is still king and will be for the foreseeable future because you don't have to play daily. And we, we've got a lot of things going on in our lives. That's why fantasy football is so important. But Callie Hammond, shout out to you one more time. You win. Big shout out. But we're going to do this throughout the week. It'll stay up. I'm going to put. I'm going to keep this post alive. I want you to visit our Facebook page, Cheap Seat Radio, on Facebook. Let us know who you feel like should be in. We're going to give a, a more complete rundown next week. You've been listening to From the Cheap Seats in Central North Carolina. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Peace. Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.